0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Take your Bibles tonight. Go with me to Acts 18. Paul, on his second missionary journey, ends up in a city called Corinth. And as I was studying, getting ready for tonight, uh, I got excited just looking back at pictures and remembering uh, what, what we saw there. Uh, remember we have now left Turkey and we're in Greece. Corinth is Greece. And uh, the The ruins in Corinth are amazing. You're hearing me say this about most of these cities. But uh, Corinth really is fascinating, but it's also sobering because of what the city was known for. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. Again, wave at me if you have questions, comments. All right. Uh, City of Corinth... You'll be able to see where uh, this is at. We've been across and in uh, Turkey, up this area, Uh, but notice where Corinth is at, right, this land bridge, right over to Athens, 50 miles between the two. Okay? Uh, So this is the city we're going to be looking at. Notice A port coming in, got another port here, you've got another port, and I guess the arrow's kind of covering it up. The two main ports are here, because the city was right there, and then there was this third port further away, and in our study we're going to end tonight talking about this this third port, this third one. Um, One of the interesting things about here, this was a trade route, that contributed to Corinth's wealth. Of course, the sea contributed to its wealth. Just as a side note, this 50 miles, Paul journeyed this several times. And when Paul talks about in danger of robbers, uh, a lot of Bible scholars, and our tour guide pointed this out, this was one of those places. Because you're far enough away from the cities, there may have been Roman soldiers out here traveling as well, but they didn't patrol that, necessarily. But a lot of wealth went in between here. And so, this was a dangerous place. But unless you went by ship, you, you would, which was less safe, well, you had to pick your poison, kind of. But, uh, the Corinth is what we're we're going to be uh, considering. Uh, notice again, Ephesus, churches of Asia Minor, uh, the churches seven churches of Revelation we talked about, the Aegean Sea, Thessaloniki. right further north, but now we're down uh, here. Again, just this whole area, this whole region is so beautiful. But looking at Corinth. The name and location, the Greek name of Corinth was Corinthos, meaning ornament. Our word Corinth, Corinth, Corinthian is more of the Latin what the Romans would have used. It's also called uh, Ephra. It was the capital of Achaia uh, and seated on the isthmus. Uh, which separates the Ionian Sea and the Aegean. So again, you, you can see those, those seas, and they come together uh, right here at Corinth. The Isthmus of Corinth is here. Uh, I don't have a picture for you to see tonight. In and, and modern times, they, they channel through the rock, and small ships can actually go now in between these, these seas. In Bible times, and we'll probably get to see this when we're there, uh, there is still the tracks. Uh, in the limestone, they carved tracks. They had big wheeled vehicles that would take small ships. They would load them onto those, onto those big wagons. And while the sailors were partying in Corinth, they would literally, it would take them a couple weeks, but they would move ships right across that land bridge uh, to get from one sea uh, to the other. All right, moving on. It had two ports, main ports. There was a third that I mentioned. Uh, and you can see these here, the Lacaem at the west, uh, Sankria in the east. Its position gave it great commercial and military importance. The traffic and commerce of two seas poured into the city. It was also on the highway between northern and southern uh, Greece. So if you look back at your map, again it was just a, a very crucial uh, area for commerce. And I mentioned to you Corinth 50 miles west of Athens. By the way, that same route that I told you the, where the robbers would hang out, we will take that by bus. We'll travel from Corinth in a bus over back to Athens, and, and then our tour uh, ends in Athens. It does remind me, though, remember when Jesus uh, got, uh, began his training with the disciples? Uh, he said to them, don't take purse." don't take what? Script. Script. And don't take sword. Then at the end of his training, he tells them, take a sword. The Lord is not against self-defense. And when you're moving around in these areas where these missionary teams were going, Somebody jump out from behind a rock and try to take what you have. You, you. It's not about being a Christian. It's about him just wanting your stuff. Defend yourself. Did you ever wonder why many times Paul traveled with a missionary team? Strength. Strength. Yeah, you don't want to be out there on your own. Just you. We know how that worked out for the man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. thieves. Okay. Now Corinth has a unique history. When we are up talking about those churches, the seven churches of Revelation, they're in in another part of Asia Minor where the history is a little different. The battling that was going up, going on around there, uh, different group of people vying for control of that area now when we get down into greece and we get to corinth athens um, these are the greek city states and their history was was bloody and it goes back they kept good records it goes back a couple thousand years way before the time of alexandria the alexander the great and and so it's a it's a beautiful area they fortified these cities uh, and it it was just constant fighting and to contribute to the problem was the fact that they were su- they were severely superstitious because they worshiped the greek gods and all that warfare and and you know they would claim such and such a god was born in our city and, and no he wasn't, he was born in our city and it was, it was just at each other all the time. So, when you study Corinth, you will go back several ages. You'll go back to the classical Greek age. You'll see that historians will talk about the time in Corinth that was the age of the tyrants. And that's what history calls them. Uh, these uh, there were clans, family clans that originally uh, ruled these areas, and then tyrants, We, our modern term would be dictators, only they were dictators over small cities or a group of cities, and uh, I did some reading about these tyrants and what they were known for. And there's one that they talk about where he got angry at his wife and threw her down some stairs and killed her. Um, his son fled to another island because he was afraid of dad. And, and then, when the son thought dad was old enough, and he came back, some of dad's cronies put the son to death. And and so an uncle took over. and And it was just that's what this area was like. And then ultimately, oligarchs uh, who were at the time of Ju- of um, Alexander the Great, uh, and and so. These oligarchs with these powerful families are making friends with powerful emperors like Alexander the Great, and they're vying for power. They're destroying each other's cities. Uh, One of the interesting things about Corinth is that the first recorded naval battle in history happens right off the coast of Corinth. The first one in history. So there were navies out there. Uh, Corinth had a a strong navy. They're out there slugging it out in these, uh, on these seas. Um, These navies also were necessary because this is one of the first spots where history records pirates on the water. And so these city-states have navies out there that are also patrolling, dealing with the pirates, because the pirates are stealing and affecting the trade. Interesting uh, stuff. So these oligarchs, they all lived under the mysticism of the Greek gods. It remained an independent city, state, until it fell under Macedonian rule in the 4th century. And you'll remember that the main power players are Persia, then Alexander the Great, and then Rome. Okay, And so... Uh, The Macedonians, uh, Alexander the Great conquers the region, uh, and then uh, Rome then liberated Corinth, 196 BC. It rebelled against the Romans, 146. The Romans destroyed it and depopulated it, so it was just a bunch of ruins right, right here for a period of time. Somebody asked in a previous session, you know, so, how long have those ruins been there? Well, Corinth is the kind of place where there were ruins when the Romans showed up, you know, well, there were, there were ruins because the Romans ruined it, and then Julius Caesar showed up and he rebuilt the city, and that's, that's the city that then became this economic powerhouse because of where it was located, Uh, but a place of of awful decadence. And that's the city that Paul walks into to start a church. Okay? So Caesar, Julius Caesar rebuilt it, and it progressed to become the capital of the province of Achaia. So when when you're reading in your New Testament about Achaia, well, that's that province where Corinth is located, and Corinth is the capital. It's the capital of, of the province. Any questions? What's there today? Is there a city or is it there... a Three miles away from the city we'll visit is modern Corinth, but it's not really known for anything. I, uh, not, not significant. So let's talk about Corinth, its wealth, its debauchery. The historian uh, Thucydides wrote that, quote, Corinth was an emporium from most ancient times. At first it collected uh, tolls uh, from trade moving by land from and into uh, the Peloponnese. By the way, the peloponnese if you look back at your map, is that, that chunk of land that comes down next to Corinth. Uh, Athens on one side, you've got Corinth on the other. Okay, It's that peninsula there. A, a big trade area. The Corinthians built a navy, put down piracy, used their naval power to increase their revenues. Its two harbors thrived from trade. It was also home to a lucrative, uh, the lucrative, Isthmian Games. We're going to say more about that in a moment, which brought thousands to Corinth every two years. So it was like the local Olympics. And the wealthy families and the athletes from these city-states would bring their athletes to Corinth to compete. There was a lot of prestige when your athletes uh, won, but they'd all come. Thousands would come into Corinth, spend money, play, party, watch sports. Okay. But cult prostitution in the city also generated much wealth. And so, in my reading, you can just you can go to the sources and read. Uh, These powerful families, these rulers of the city-states, they write in their records who their favorite prostitute was in Corinth. Um, I've said it. I think it's true. Uh, I don't know that it's original with me. But uh, the Las Vegas of the Roman Empire... So the Apostle Paul benefited by being a craftsman in the city. What did he make? He made tents. By the way, he had some co-workers who were Jewish believers. What were their names? They worked together in Corinth. Aquila and Priscilla, who were Jews, that under one of the Roman Empires had been four emperors had been forced to leave Rome, so they'd come around. Uh, God leads their paths to cross. Okay, and so they made tents together uh, in Corinth. When we visit Corinth, you're going to see a main road that goes up from the main port. You'll be able to look right down at the Aegean. There's a main road that that continues to climb, goes past all these shops, all the way up to, and it's from sea level to where the main road, uh, not, the, tri- not the, uh, the shopping road, but the main road up uh, at the top, and then the Temple District is here, it's 300 feet, that's the climb, from, from sea level to that, that main street. But as you're going up, our tour guide pointed out to us, in one of the shops, uh, there is a star, I think it's a Star of David or it's a menorah, carved right into the stone, which to- tells everybody, uh, and again, every one of these cities also had a synagogue. There was a Jewish population there. But where that's at, that was a a bay in the stone where a shopkeeper had set up who was Jewish. Now, we don't know where Paul sold his tents, but it's fun to stand there and look at that symbol on the wall and think, Paul could have done business in any one of these bays. It, it's, it's just really fun to, to see that. But, but that whole shopping area, okay, and, uh, and it's hard for me to describe how vast this city is. I tried to do that with Ephesus and some of the other ones. But uh, you've got that main street coming up. Down by the water, we're going to be in another amphitheater. Big amphitheater. They had a, uh, oh, the name Hy- Hydra, don't, what do they call it? The chariot races. i um, forgetting the term. Anyway, Corinth has a big one of those. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we'll, again, we'll come back to the games in a, in a little bit. The Apostle Paul benefited from business in the city. However, he must have been overcome by the wickedness he saw there. Greek and Roman authors, before the rise of Christianity, often referred to it as a, referred to Corinth as quote, the city of fornication and prostitution. The Greeks spoke of uh, being Corinthian. There's your Greek word, which simply meant it was a term of derision. You live a Corinthian life. So you're a Roman and you've got a neighbor who likes to party and you know and he just says, the guy's Corinthian. Now that put that in context when Paul says you've got a man committing wicked sin in your church. 1 Corinthians 5 got a man who's living in sin with his mother and then he says this and that's not even something the Corinthians do that's pretty rotten you've got that in your church and and that's not even what the Corinthians do and so Paul says a little leaven leaveneth the whole that's going to infect your church real fast The problem was, the Corinthians said, oh, we're just so so spiritual, we're so mature spiritually, it can happen, it's not going to affect us. Paul said, you should be weeping about what's happening in the church. And it's not a surprise then, in chapter 7, Paul says, now concerning the things that you wrote unto me, and the whole rest of the chapter is about physical intimacy in marriage, and the way marriages should be. So these Corinthians are getting saved, and they send Paul a letter saying, "It's wicked here. We've got questions. What about? What about? What about?" You know, and and Paul Paul addresses all the Holy Spirit through Paul addresses all that, so that in Corinth, that church can have healthy marriages and do it God's way. I just think that's amazing. All right. So, the city had twelve temples. One being devoted to Aphrodite, God goddess of. I, I use the word lust because I'm being careful, uh, but uh, uh, the Greeks used the word eros, and it was it was thick in Corinth. All right, lust and beauty a thousand prostitutes served in the temple to Aphrodite I'm going to show you a picture a little bit later, they actually in the side of the hill leading up to their um, their fortress they had dormitories around the outside of this main temple and that's where the prostitutes all lived, that's, that was their housing I know we're going to want to go home and take a shower after this I'm trying to be careful Okay. And so this is a picture looking up towards the temple district. Notice what's in the background. I mentioned every city had an acropolis. They call that crop of Corinth. Anybody want to guess how high that mountain, that fortress is in the background? Twenty-two hundred feet from sea level. Yeah. Now, we didn't get up there. I'm not even sure if they take tours up there. They might. Maybe this time we'll we'll get to uh, go and, and see that. But that's that's the temple district. And of course, the picture doesn't show you the ruins of, of the other temples. Uh, but but that's looking up towards. Again, the fortress. In 2 Corinthians, Paul will say this in chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What's the Greek word? Bema. Okay. Did you know Corinth had a bema? And you're looking at it. I have proof. That sign right there says Bema. Okay. All right. That's the Bema. There were probably pillars. A judge sat there. And this is where all the city litigation happened. When Paul says to the Corinthians, what are you doing taking each other to court? Christians were standing here bickering in front of an unsaved judge. Paul says, don't do that. Take care of that at, at, in the church. Here's the instruction on how to deal with that in the church. Here's what also is fascinating about this. And you can see, this is all stone here. You'll see that it's they've got this roped off now. But this was open, and this is a street that runs right in front of the Bema. Down at the end of the street. We talked about the Isthmian Games every two years. The main race of that, which was a marathon, long race. Do you know where it started and where it finished? In front of the Bima. So those racers would run right in front of, and so the judge at that point was now the umpire and they'd go out, they'd run the race, and, and when they would finish, they'd come back past the Bema to the finish line, and then they would stand here to receive their rewards. Their laurels, their crowns. So when Paul says we must all appear before the bema of Christ to receive the things that we've done in our body, whether they be good, whether they be evil. Okay, This is what he had in mind, and this is what the Corinthians would have been thinking. And when he says, run the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. Well, who's occupying the bema? Looking unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, where the cross and shame, set down at the right hand of the Father. Okay, that's the bema. When we study Athens, we're going to see that there's a bema there as well. And, and again, the the things that Paul was seeing and talking about, uh, pretty pretty remarkable. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and let this out of the let this out of the this cat out of the bag. So I have no idea what that expression is. <laughs> when Paul preached on Mars Hill in Athens, and we're going to get to stand on Mars Hill, and I'll probably preach just for the fun of it. Okay? <laughs> but when you stand on Mars Hill and you look up this way. You see their Acropolis, which was a temple, idols, so on. When you look up a a footpath this way, you are looking up at another raised area that was Athens, Bema. And so it's like the gospel stood right in the middle of the choices that these people were making. Serve false gods, or believe what Paul was preaching, and end up at the bema. But eternal life. Just, just fun to think about that. All right. So, that's the bema. Again, more more ruins in the background is the mountain leading leading up to the fortress. Okay. Oh my, our time is up. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll go fast. So I talked about the temple, and then I talked about on the outside, the dorms, the apartments, whatever, for the prostitutes. There you go. And the fortress up on the hill in the background. So when we talk about uh, Paul in Corinth, Acts chapter 18, let me just highlight a couple things. Uh, First of all, so the, the... Paul goes in and he begins to minister. There again is a threat made. Uh, the Jews are opposing him. And you can see all this in the scripture. Paul goes to bed. And in verse 10, the Bible says this, The Lord appears to him at night. Now he's in the midst of this massive, wicked, metropolitan city. Okay, If, if you want to serve your flesh and come party, this is the place to be. God sent Paul in there to build a church so he could build so the Lord could build his church. And the Lord comes to him at night and he says, Paul, be don't be afraid. I have much people in this city. Scratch the head in this city <laughs> okay. So th- it's a great election passage. Now, don't let that scare anybody. Elections in the Bible, it is a biblical doctrine. God already knew who in that city was going to come to faith in Christ. I have, a, I have much people in this city. What was Paul's job? Get encouraged by the doctrine of election. Get up the next morning and go tell, start telling people about the Lord. People are going to get saved. There is a church that's going to get established here. God already knows who, who's, who's here It's going to believe in Corinth! Uh, I've met guys that are out planning churches in Las Vegas. That's got to be intimidating. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. I've got much people in this city. And there are some good churches in Vegas. Why? gospel's not limited. It's the power of God unto salvation to anyone who will believe. And so, with that in mind, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Paul lists a bunch of things as he's writing to these Corinthians saying those who habitually do these sins will not be in heaven. Murderers. And and then he gets into effeminate. He talks about homosexuals. So on. They're all living in Corinth. It's bad. But then Paul says, and such were, say with me, some some of you. you But you are washed... (laughs) You're cleansed. You're children of God. Okay. So regardless of your background, you can live in a place like Corinth and act like a Corinthian. And God can still save you and cleanse you. Wow. Okay. All right. This is the other uh, city that we're going to see in this area. It's not a major city. I, the thing is, we're going to get to go to the other side of the Isthmus where uh uh Senchri is seaport of Corinth on the eastern side of the isthmus you'll be able to look across the water towards Athens um, according to Acts 1818 18, Paul uh and his or had his hair shorn shaved his head here before sailing for Syria. Remember he's going to Jerusalem because he's made a vow. Okay. Um uh, A local church may have been established there by Paul, but we are introduced to a woman who is there on the other side of the Isthmus at that other port. How many of you have heard of Phoebe? Part of Paul's ministry team. And Paul says, you honor her, treat her right, because of all that she's doing on behalf of the church. Well, we're going to get to see where she lived. She's from here. Okay? So they're, they're ministering all through this area. Now, tradition tells us, and it's on pretty good authority. Paul mentions her, but I, I read this in multiple, multiple sources. And uh, you can read Romans 16, 1 and 2. He ends the book of Romans, and he's talking about these faithful servants, his ministry team. Phoebe's mentioned there. But tradition tells us that when Paul wrote the book of Romans, all right, he put it in the hands of a female servant of the Lord, and she helped to carry the book of Romans. And tradition tells us it was Phoebe. You're not going to necessarily so much suspect a woman going about her business. And uh, and what that tells us that Yeah, we know about Luke, we know about Timothy, Epaphras, Paul, we know, okay. But you, sisters in Christ, back in this day, you would have had it played a key role in the growth of the church. Aquila and Priscilla, right? And it reminds us, you play a critical role in God growing His church today. Don't you think otherwise?